if you didn't know, we, we've, uh, Fiona and I have just come back uh, just over a week ago from um, quite an adventure. Uh, we, we went over to UK and then uh, travelled up the northern, up the, um, the coast of Norway. It was all about seeing the northern lights and they duly delivered and uh, we uh, very much enjoyed that time and, and also a week in Iceland. So, um, you know, we, we were, felt very blessed to be able to do this. Um, uh, we got right to the very top of Norway. Um, but then, of course, uh, we've been following in Janice's footsteps. Um, if you don't know, she's, she's done most of that as well. And, and next year she goes even one better where she gets up to Svalbard. And if you don't know where that is, there's a couple of islands that just, just south of the North Pole. That's where the polar bears are. So we, we've certainly felt very blessed in what we're doing, but we're still jealous of Janice and what she's going to do. So, Which just goes to prove something that Chris said, Chris Brown said yesterday at the Prayer and Fast, which was that it's important to keep your mind on Christ because if, if our lives are about what we have and what we do, then we're going to, in our experience on this earth, then we're going to end up being dissatisfied. We want to find our relationship and our, and our time and our value in the Lord. We, we had a prayer and fast yesterday and the subject was the love of, of God. And it makes me think, it makes me wonder why we talk about that subject why we even come together? Why did you come here today? Was it because it's what you do on Sunday mornings? Is it because someone dragged you along? Is it because you saw a sign and thought, I'll check this out? We, we, we come here because when we, group, when we fellowship together, we have the opportunity to serve each other. All right? That's living our faith. When we come together, we're able to serve, help, bless each other, pray for each other, hear the word of God. We are living our faith. But I also think there's, there's something more to it, that when we are coming together, we are, uh, we are reflecting on our life and who, why we're here. And we are continually refining and adjusting and touching up our perspective, our perspective on life, our perspective on our life. And that's the, the subject that I wanted to cover here today, reflections and perspective. I'm going to use Psalm 65 uh, largely as well. Yeah, so yesterday we had the prayer and fast and Pastor Nick spoke first and he reminded us, we were reflecting together and reminded us that God wants the best for us. Um, Nick asked the question, do we love God as much now as when we were first born again? Now, um, um, for those that aren't born again, that haven't received the Holy Spirit, um, this is also uh, applies to you because... Uh, you're here, you are being called by God. You are, if, if you're sitting in this place, 
You are by definition called by God. It's what you choose to do with that calling that is, um, is, is of, of interest, I suppose, that, that matters. But so he asked that question, Nick asked the question, do we love as God as much as when we were first born again or is the little of that Ephesians uh, affliction that has come in, which is where we've lost that first flush of love and maybe it hasn't matured yet into that deep, um, contented and strong relationship that it needs to. And, yeah, we think of and Nick uh, elaborately described uh, his marriage, uh, probably a little bit too much, but... There you go. But that's what a marriage is to be, isn't it, is to grow deeper and stronger and more connected. And so it's not just that little, you know, the, the flush of the butterflies, but it's something more stronger than that. And uh, so Nick then went on to encourage us to remember those paths that we trod on in our early days and to keep walking in them. Alan then spoke and um, reminded us that the result of true love is action. The result of true love is service. Uh, And then I picked up that uh, the godly reward for true love and obedience is getting everything that we asked for. I like that idea. I like that idea. 1 John 3 verse 22, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because when we obey him and do the things that please him. Notice the obedience in that scripture. You were not just brought into a family and um, able to do whatever we want to do. There's obedience involved. There's and and along comes with obedience is humility. Uh, and maybe we don't talk about that enough in a way. Um, but when we are obedient, when we are humble to the Word of God, then it is our joy and our delight to serve God in whatever we do. And finally, Chris Brown got up and reminded us that God's love is not a concept to us, but an experience. Okay, it's not a theory. It's not something to be just learnt. But having learnt, we experience the love of God. Uh, He also um, instructed us that smiting is a good word and should be used far more often. Is it you, man? Uh, and then uh, Galatians five sixteen, he uh, spoke about where let the Holy Spirit guide, and then like the Israelites will be living in a land of milk and honey. And he went on to explain why those words, that phrase, milk and honey, was used and worth cherishing. Now, see, if you've been here for any length of time. there's got to be, I've heard that before, uh, happening. If you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard those thoughts that God is love and that God loves us a hundred times. So why was what we were sharing yesterday, why even we'll be coming together today, why is it important if we're just hearing something that we've heard a hundred times before? And the scripture pops into my mind just then of of Hebrews 11 because when we hear the word of God and we mix it with faith, then things happen. All right, we are 
in this life, we're walking in this life, it has its challenges and therefore opportunities, but all challenges. All of us are dealing with things in our life, all of us, whatever it might be. And if you're not dealing with anything now, you will be tomorrow. That's the good news. <laughs> because every opportunity, every, every problem, every issue that comes up is an opportunity for God to show his strength in our lives. So we come together to reflect and to get our perspective adjusted. You know, like someone might, uh, they don't do it anymore with clocks, but, you know, you used to adjust clocks to refine them, to, to make sure they're on time, you know, and, and showing the perfect time. Maybe that's what we're doing when we come together to reflect and to change our perspective or to make sure that our perspective is aligned. So at the moment, I'm, I just happen to be reading Psalms, through Psalms, and, and um, last week I came across Psalm 65. Uh, it jumped out at me. Um, I don't think it ever has jumped out at me before. Uh, and maybe part of it because of some of the experiences we had while we were travelling. You'll see why in a minute. In it, in Psalm 65, so David wrote the first 70-odd Psalms of of, of the book and then a few others as well later on. But a lot of the Psalms early on, if you read them, you sort of, you feel for David, right? He's saying, uh, like Psalm 13, where are you, Lord? Are you hearing my prayer at all? Um, what am I doing here? Um, he's saying, I've got too many enemies. They all seeking my destruction, He's saying, God, can you please deal with my enemies and smite them? That word. <laughs> All right. So he's saying, he, he's, um, in a way, it's not a pretty picture. But then once or twice through that, those, those chapters, and Psalm 65 is one of them, Psalm 23 is another one, you just get this idea of a man who is absolutely convicted about his God, absolutely convinced that God is the centre of his universe and that uh, whatever is happening, good or bad, God is a part of his life and is ordering his life. So Psalms 23, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shan't want. Um, he recognises in Psalm 23 that there's valleys, you know, dark valleys to walk through, but also that God's, God is going through them with him. Uh, so you have this, these sort of bright sparks. So Psalm 65, I'm going to read it out of the NLT because uh, I find this an easier version. Uh, it's, what, what is it? It's, it's not that many. It's um, 12 verses. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfil our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, for those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Saviour, you are the hope of everyone on earth 
even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourselves with mighty strength, yourself with mighty strength. You quietened the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the ploughed ground with rain, melting the clods and levelling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Maybe this psalm resonated a little bit because I feel like I've been to the ends of the earth and have seen pretty remarkable things and experienced remarkable things. I have to say that um, two of the most impressive buildings that we saw at the north of Norway and in Iceland were churches. They were large, they were prominent, they were visible from everywhere around the, the towns. Um, and the, the, the one in Alta in Norway uh, was, was done to uh, reflect the northern lights in the way it was, was built. And the one in Iceland was uh, done, built to reflect the, um, some of the stonework that we saw, some of the rocks. And so we know that God doesn't live in churches, God doesn't live in buildings, but um, whatever the faith of those people there, there was something that prompted them to you know, build something of consequence to some, in some way honour the Lord. I found that pretty fascinating. So what's going on here? Verses 6 to 12 paint a very rosy picture. Paints a picture of well-watered, fertile ground, plenty of um, rain when it needs to be, an abundant harvest. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and silence the shouting of the nations. Well, um, when I look at Australia at the moment, I see a combinable mixture. It's it's either droughts or flooding rains. Um, That's not wonderful, is it? Um, Dave... No, who was it? Alan, Alan Desmond was complaining yesterday about the condition of the roads coming back from Adelaide because of all the water and so on that had happened. So what's going on? Because over, since David spoke these, and David experienced droughts, but yet he's expressing this uh, sense of, of um, just, um, I don't know, so wealth in a way, isn't it, of just happiness, of joy. So what's going on? Um, the silence, the shouting of the nations. Well, there's pretty loud nations at the moment. We are not in a situation with silent nations. And uh, all I can say to that is that uh, Maranatha, um, you know, even so, Lord God, come. I'm just so looking forward to what will happen when Jesus comes and stamps his authority on the nations. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know whether he's going to get an office in the United Nations or something or other. 
I suspect he won't need to. I suspect that by his will and by his power, the Bible is very clear that Christ is going to return and he's going to rule the nations for a period of time. Uh, And they'll be bent to his will. Every knee will bow, even those that uh, don't recognise God in any way. Their knees will just collapse in front of them. They'll they'll recognise the majesty of, of, uh, of God. Praise the Lord for that, that, that it, but it is yet to come. So what's going on? Why, why is David able to say these sorts of things, the bountiful harvest? And, you know, I reckon, again, it goes back to what Chris was saying yesterday, that if we measure our lives by what we have, then we'll always be wanting more. Maybe as David is reflecting here, in the middle of his troubles, in the middle of his strife, on what, who God is, what God is to him and what God's done, then everything he looks at is good. Even the problems are good. And this is what I'm saying about our perspective and what we come here for, to, to realign and to adjust our perspective so that whatever we're dealing with in our lives, with the perspective, with a godly perspective, we are able to deal with it because we know that God's going before us. A brother said to me yesterday that they're, um, they're pleased that they're getting their joy back. And praise the Lord for that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if there is no joy in our lives, and it's pretty hard to be happy for a start, it's pretty hard to be content because you're always struggling. But if our perspective changes or is adjusted, maybe it just needs a little bit of adjusting, that we realise and appreciate who God has made us to be, then what can be against us? I got this picture, an image in my head, you know, the fairground where, you know, you get the, the usually a dwarf um, sitting on the shoulder of, of, a, of a very big man and so you they're up there somewhere, you know, and they've got a big great coat on so that, you know the image? <laughs> you got that image? Big person. And we are that dwarf sitting on the shoulders of God. If that's our perspective, then what can possibly come against us? So maybe as David here is reflecting on who God really is and what he's done for him, then whatever the situation around him, it's good. You know those people who, whatever happens to them, they say praise the Lord or hallelujah. Um, Praise the Lord or hallelujah for them. (laughs) So let's go back to verse 1 and a couple of these little comments at the beginning of the first six verses. 1. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion? This is like the start of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And like that, this is a good way to start every conversation with God. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We are recognising God for who he is and for who he is to us. And if we start every conversation with God, with recognition of who he is, then it 
Prayer is, look, prayer is not one way. That's why I said the word conversation, not prayer. We think of prayer sometimes as being one way. Prayer is a conversation with God. God answers in a very real and personal ways. Now, we've all, I think most of us, have experienced God answering prayer in one way or another, in our mind or or physically or spiritually or whatever. So remember those times when God has answered your prayer. And if you're struggling in your prayer now, if you're struggling to see an answer in your life that you want to see, like Psalms 13, when David was struggling to see an answer, remember, reflect, change your perspective and remember that you are a child of God, that you are by definition, because you're sitting here, called of God. That's such a special and such a privileged place to be. It goes on, we will fulfil our vows to you. What are the vows that you've made to God? Do you ever think of it in that way, in that term? He's made vows to us. I make this, um, if I ever uh, marry a couple, I always make a point that we're exchanging vows, not promises. Vows are much more important than than promises. You've got this concept of I'll do this uh, as long as I'm able to, whereas a vow is a commitment to do it, whatever. Right? That's, that's what's important and that's what's special about the vows that we say in our marriage service. God's made vows to us. He's made, he's made vows to keep us, to love us. We looked at that in depth yesterday. To redeem us. Redeem, I don't know, it's, it's not a religious word. Um, it is um, the, the good example, is it, when, when, you, um, when, when you're in straightened circumstances and you take something to the um, um, cash converters and you get some money for it uh, and then you find yourself, you, you get on your feet again and say so you go back to the pawnbroker and you redeem it you get that thing back and we are redeemed in every sense by God. So for a time when we were born, we, um, we had this promise, we were made in God's image, but we had this promise of, of, uh, of a soul, but it was a soul that had to make its own choice about whether it wanted to follow God. And then as we get to a certain age and an age of understanding, we're able to make that, that, uh, that choice and we are redeemed. We are redeemed. He saves us. That's a vow he's made. He's made a vow to raise us up on the last day. Now there's something to look forward to. And there's something to, I don't know, change, alter, Adjust our perspective. If we are living every day with this promise that we are going to lift off this earth and be raised to meet him in the air, then that changes how we live each day. So what vows have we made to the Lord? I trust um, 
if anything, make the vow that God is first in your life, in my life. When God is first in my life, then everything else is comes second, but then God blesses everything else. For you answer our prayers. What, what's the word? We will fulfil our vows to you because you answer our prayers. It's, it's like a, a, a weak a condition. Are we saying that? Maybe we're saying we'll um, honour our vows to you because of who you are. You certainly do answer our prayers, but let us, let's not only give back to God because he's giving to us. All right? Does that make sense? Let's not just give to God because he's given to us. Let's also give to God because of who he is. Of course, because of what he's made us to be. We'll see in the verse 2. Um, all of us must come to you. Well, duh. Um, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? All of us must come to you. But maybe we need to come to him every day. Um, maybe this isn't, this isn't just a once-off thing, is it? Uh, certainly, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're given the strength of the Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us. But we've got to use it continually. So this is, if, if we are saying this psalm along with David, then let us also say, we must come to you. Let us come to him every day. Verse 3, though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. Um, there are lots of things that I'm not proud of in my life. Um, and I'm not going to share any of them with you. <laughs> but our sin can overwhelm us. And Satan's, one of his greatest weapons is guilt. Um, but I go to the end of Romans 7 and Romans chapter 8 uh, that talks about how we deal with guilt. There is no guilt because God has wiped the slate clean. So this is our human nature, and we're always going to struggle while we're in this body with our human nature. Uh, it's part of life. It's part of overcoming. It's the overcomers that are going to you know, earn the crown of gold and so on. Romans 8.38 got a bit of hammering yesterday. Let me do it again. Romans 8.38 and 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. This is a bit unequivocal, isn't it? No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the comment was made yesterday and Chris made the comment that, well, maybe we can separate ourselves. And it got me thinking because these verses are so unequivocal. So maybe there's a difference 
hang with me a little bit here. Maybe there's a difference between God's love that we can never separate ourselves from and God. As we can certainly separate ourselves from God as we turn away, reject him, we lose our first love, we can get complacent, contemptuous of the relationship that we have with God. So I reckon that we cannot ever, I'm disagreeing with Chrissy, <laughs> that we cannot ever separate from God's love. And you think about a parent and a child, and a true parent, a good parent, will always love their child. They might not love what the child is doing as they grow up and you know spread their wings and start doing horrible things. Kids all ages will do that. So maybe you don't accept the sin, but you accept and love the child. And I think that's probably the sense here of what God is trying to say, that if we separate ourselves from God in every way, if we've become complacent, if we don't have the same relationship with God that we once had. Maybe we're feeling separated from God. Maybe our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. We can all be assured that God's love we're never separated from, that as we turn, what did Nick say? He said, remember, repent and return, the three R's. That as we reflect and return to God, then that connection with God is re-established because the love of God is never waning. We cannot remove ourselves from God's love, which makes sense in a way because Christ died for us while we were still in our sins, while there was nothing about us to love, while we rejected and nailed him on the cross. God's love sent Christ to the cross while we were still sinners. So I think there's probably a distinction, a difference between God's love, which we're never separated from, and God, which we can definitely be separated from. So how awesome is that? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. So if you're here today and if your perspective is someone that doesn't have a relationship with God, that maybe once you did have a relationship and it's not so strong now. Maybe there's something that you want to improve about that relationship. Well, it's the parable of the prodigal son. If you turn, God is already there. It's because his love never fails. It's because his love, we can never be separated from it. What a perspective to bring to our lives to whatever situation we might have. You know, perspective doesn't change. You know, a mountain is still as big as what it is. Whatever your perspective is, if your perspective is from a distance, the mountain hasn't changed. It's still as big as it ever was. But your perspective makes it different. Your perspective makes it uh, able to be overcome. Verse 4, what joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. You ever feel like you've got a humdrum life, that you're on a spinning wheel, you know, just going doing the notions like the mouses do? 
True contentment and joy awaits whatever is happening in your life at the moment. Recognise that God has chosen you. What festivities await us inside your holy temple? Party time. Now, I'm not big on parties. It's just my personality, I guess, but I love a good fireworks display. Verse 5, you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Saviour. Again, we're recognising God. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. God is the hope for the hopeless. He's he's the only hope for mankind. And whether someone appreciates their need or that fact or not, God is still their hope. And I guess it behoves us uh, who are enjoying a relationship with God to share uh, something of that hope that lies within us. We sang the hymn yesterday, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. These are great words of um, affirmation of how we should live our lives. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. That's not not easy to do. Make me saviour, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. And I would add truly know that I am thine. That uh, you are first in my life. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. As we have a perspective of God first in our lives and this God that David has spoken of in Psalm 65 there, of one who's got everything in control, if we are assured of that, if we have that bring that perspective to bear on our lives, then it changes who we are. And let us all walk out of this room even today a little bit different from how we walked in. Otherwise, what was the point of coming? Well, except to serve, except to to, to do the the, the work of the Lord. So stop and reflect frequently as David did. Allow your perspective to be a godly one. Appreciate that God's love for you can never fail. You can never find your way away, find a way away from God's love. Um, You can find a way from God, but as soon as you return, he'll be there for you. And whatever your circumstances, is always going to feel like that you're in the middle of a bountiful harvest. Amen.